What's up, everybody? Welcome to Building Our Power. This is Gabby. And KT. Thank you for joining us again. Sorry we didn't have none for y'all uh, last week, but, uh, you know, when, you, when you're tired and you're worn out, it is good for everybody to get rest, and that's mm-hmm. what we did, and we encourage y'all to do the same. This bullshit will still be here when you get finished rest, and as you can <laughs> see, it got worse, but we're glad to be back with everybody. Uh, we are going to start with part, going to go into part 10 of Blood in My Eye. Going straight into it. If you would like to donate to the work we are doing in the city, which is donating clothes, donating money directly, giving out literature, pamphlets, you can do so. All the links are in the description on how you can do so. If you like to contact us, links are in the description to do so as well. Once my life and KT's life kind of gets a little bit more regulated, we will start doing more out uh, as far as, you know, meeting up with people and doing stuff like that. But for the time being, yeah, this is this is what we got going on. Um, So, yeah, let's get into part 11. We are on the bottom of page 83 of uh, Blood in My Eye. And it says, the only valid form of union activity is seizure of union leadership by any means necessary. We must call strikes to enforce our demands on capital. To enforce the strike, we must stop the plant's power source. Standing in the gateway with a placard and a pamphlet alone will not dull a worker's short-term interest in wage slavery. The very first impulse is to eat. With right-wing union leadership gone and the black worker revolutionized through his contact with the black commune, even the fascists who exist without any sense of community or class consciousness can possibly be won over. Or at least rendered neutral. Either way, they won't be able to break strikes with the power lines now. The power of our military strategy sitting behind our political infrastructure depends on constant attack, attack, attack. Improvisation, aggression, and attack on property, the utilities that feed the superstate, indirect and direct attacks at the productive point and distribution system. As I stated, the Western military experts admit that the mechanized establishment guard must outnumber the attacking worker by 10 to 1. What they cannot afford to admit is that even with this numerical superiority, they cannot win. They're learning this in every theater of combat, in a class war. They could never even raise a 10 to 1 numerical superiority, even if they succeed in employing the degenerate elements of the lower class, created by a long history of counter-positive mobilization of reactionary mass society as mercenaries or vigilantes in the early stages. The advantage is still ours. At 10 to 1, we still enjoy a strategic military superiority if we are attacking, because they must defend so many different points vital to the order and continuity of their life support system. All at the same time, the points to be protected will always outnumber the units who are always available to protect them. The super technological city-state has grown so complex that it is completely dependent upon its thousands of related parts. It has grown so large that no force can be fielded to protect all its vital parts. The essence of the guerrilla technique is to cripple and finally stop the life support system of the enemy class or state. The advantage of the anti-establishment force can be best understood by picturing the need for the establishment forces to spread themselves thin. In the vain attempt to protect the mechanical base of their source of power, which of course works out to be the various forms of productive and non-productive property. 
the mobile have not, the attacker, can concentrate his forces, even though initially they are numerically inferior, to actually outnumber and overwhelm the thin out forces of the establishment by attacking at one or two points at a time. In Mao's Selected Works, Volume 2, he speaks of ingenuity and mobility as necessary qualities of any guerrilla operation. The ancients said, Ingenuity in varying tactics depends on mother wit. The ingenuity, which is what we mean by flexibility, is a contribution of the intelligent commander. Flexibility does not mean recklessness. Recklessness must be rejected. Flexibility consists in the intelligent commander's ability to take timely and appropriate measures on the basis of objective conditions after, quote, judging the hour and sizing up the situation, unquote. The situation includes the enemy's situation, our situation, and the terrain. And this flexibility is ingenuity and varying tactics. On the basis of this ingenuity, we can win more victories in quick decision, offensive warfare on exterior lines, change the balance of forces in our favor, gain the initiative over the enemy, and overwhelm and crush him so that the final victory will be ours. If there are 20 points in the city-state to be protected and 10 units of protection, clearly an attacking force of one could destroy 10 of the 20 points without opposition. The 10 points that remain and are guarded by the 10 units of protection must now meet the attacker on a one-to-one -one basis. The term, quote, attack explicitly, explicitly means, quote, first strike, and first strike translates into advantage. Total repression and genocide are not possible if we organize ourselves for survival first. If we first construct the commune, a sense of community, a communal interest of class, the objective conditions are present. To postpone our liberation with the exclusion that, quote, the people aren't ready, is to underestimate them. In effect, it's like saying they don't have the mentality to act in their defense. The repeating shotgun is the deadliest weapon in the world for close-range urban fighting. They are simple to make, maintain, and use. Anyone can be effective with the scattergun. One simply points and squeezes the trigger. If the thing to be shot is moving, follow through with your swing. Tanks are obsolete. They can be rendered harmless with a dollar's worth of grenade propelled from the muzzle of the shotgun by a blank cartridge. Then, as a tank moves down any city street, it has placed itself in a defile. On a cost-effectiveness basis, the most destructive weapon is the gasoline bomb. Enough gasoline, soap shavings, and potassium chlorate could flip a tank over on its side or thrown from the windows of our defiles. The gasoline bomb could incinerate the largest army. Okay. So, that was a lot of reading. Um, anything you want to uh, talk about that sticks out to you? Yeah. I think that um, it's very interesting what he mentioned about, like, okay, it could be, we could do one or two attacks at a time. And I'm thinking about what I recently saw on the news about how slow the response times are of police in Memphis currently uh and i just think about if if all the police have to go to one place people could go somewhere else and do something else and that would that would throw them off completely 
Mm-hmm. That just something as simple as that. If we know that there's something on their radio that says all the police are going to this place because there are quote unquote protesters there, um, then at that point people could go to a totally separate place across across the county and do something even more extravagant. Mm-hmm. And it would take them 30, 40 minutes to get there. But that, I mean, that's just what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, just going back into, you know, uh, the gorilla methods. And he's just really honing down on being flexible. And in my mind, it's thinking creative in, in the way mm-hmm. that you approach anything. Because, I mean, yes, a lot of these cops and stuff, they are predictable or whatever. But everything in life is not. And so you have to always be thinking and evolving the way you think, not even when it comes to guerrilla warfare, but just the way you think and how you're going to move and how and how things will progress. And especially if you know something is not working, it has not worked, then you probably should be thinking of other things that you can do that may be a little bit more effective. Um So, yeah, something else I want to go back up to when he was talking about the unions. And he was saying how um, the only valid form of union activity is the seizure of union leadership by any means necessary. And I think that that is very, very right. Because we have talked for us going on about two years now about the unions and how they've been liberalized, Mm co-opted, not really for the people. Uh, what has happened with Amazon? What's happened with Chris Smalls and Amazon? I don't know. I ain't heard nothing I ain't else heard about it. Nothing. Um, we know everything that happened with Kellogg's before our eyes. Just bullshit. Um, he's talking about you know they would have to be seized from the inside. I don't think at this point, like these huge corporate ass unions, can be infiltrated personally. Because it's just too much money behind them. Like, there's there's people on Biden's team that are like union people. And, and you know, just like with politics, certain things just can't be infiltrated. Um, now, you can try to create your own thing and, you know, take workers from that and create your own real grassroots uh, union-led uh Union organization by regular people, but I don't know if this is a, a valid form of uh, attack or or practice at this uh, point in time because the unions have just become too powerful and too connected to the state at this point. See, I didn't take it as he was saying make the union what you're doing. I took it as him saying, because he says, we must call strikes to enforce our demand on capital. To enforce the strike, we must stop the plant's power source. I honestly thought he was like, okay, well, uh, let's go into a factory and let's shut down the power source and have these people, if they want to strike, go out and strike. I didn't really think of it in that sense. But, I mean, I could I could be wrong. Well, he's saying that take you got to take it over and then you can do the strikes and stuff like that. He said, get the right-wing union leadership gone and then yeah. you have the whatever in there. But, yeah, like I said, I don't know if that's feasible now. But that's why, that's why we have stuff like this to look back on mm-hmm. because people are still talking about the unions, the unions, the yeah. unions, the unions. Yes, that's something they said that could be done, but we see it can't be done. Okay, now we're going to the next thing. And that goes back to the being flexible, creativity, looking at something 
that was proposed that has been tried doesn't work okay i'm not going to keep putting this square peg into this circle hole it is not going to work what is next and uh, i think you know that's just something that i think at that time they just couldn't foresee yet if we well, yeah. they hadn't gone through the 70s of just the co-option of every single possible radical thing that was ever done in life. They didn't go through that. They didn't go through the 80s yet when pretty much all hope was lost for any type of radical anything. So there was still like in their head, well, maybe this could go and maybe that. Well, I mean, they were theorizing, you know, right? Which is what we all do at any point in time. And so, like you said, we now have it where it's like, okay, well, you know, this obviously didn't work. Except that, you know, he does talk about how... The black worker needs to be revolutionized through his contact with the black commune, even fascists. It's through the black commune. Do you think that people have actually been revolutionized? I mean, we're putting black people in maybe those positions of power, but that does that necessarily mean that they were revolutionized? No. You know, no. so it, it's, it's give and take. And I think that's what's important here is that we're saying is that Although this is what he said, um, there's always options to think outside the box. Yeah, because ultimately the main point of it was he was saying that through doing this, you could attack the money, to attack the property, mm. attack, you know, the the chain supply. But you can do that without infiltration. We can do yeah. that. There's, there's other ways to do that. So that doesn't mean that this the whole uh, goal is out the window. It can be done. just has to be done differently. Um but yeah, definitely just focusing on what is the lifeline of the state. The lifeline is that property. The lifeline is that capital. If you are stopping these folks from making money, if you are messing up their investments, that real estate, you're making them lose any type of dollars. They are being hit. That's what hits them. All right, back to the reading. We can only be repressed if we stop thinking and stop fighting. People who refuse to stop fighting can never be repressed. They either win or they die, which is more attractive than losing and dying. The primacy of politics remains, but we must now prepare for armed confrontation. By no stretch of the imagination can we hope to overthrow so determined an enemy without a force. We will win, George. The American Mind Frankenstein's need for a servant was an expression of his diseased ego, so he created a demented, ugly creature, pathologically strong and huge. Dear Greg, the breakdown of establishment conditioning usually occurs first at the university level. Students refuse to accept the lie that our exploitation of the world's people is actually beneficial to them. They begin to refuse their share of the spoils. Huey Newton and Bobby Seale left the campus to form the Black Panther Party. The students of the Democratic Society gave birth to the weatherman. The rise of socio-political institutions to their present form and complexity was not the result of chance. The corporation, the university, the unions, the mass media, the foundations, the associations, the courts, the prisons, the army, police, national and international, uniformed and disguised, from their beginnings were formulated as enforcers of state centralism. An examination focused on the history of all the major socio-political institutions of the United States, a study in the genetics of hierarchy, would certainly uncover that the total economic motive underlying the foundations of these institutions. For my purpose, I would broadly divide the major socio-political institutions into two classes. 
one designed by the state to move people into certain actions and the other to discourage, curtail, or completely deny certain other actions. The unintelligible vastness of these institutions make it seem impossible that they could be owned and operated by a relatively small number of men. But the truth of the of this can be demonstrated by documented evidence and irrefutable case studies. The modern industrial cooperative city-based state could never function at all without hierarchical control and an acceptance by the people of the controlling hierarchy. Quote, prior conditioning, unquote, of course, the effects of ubiqu- ubiquitous self-negation inbred since childhood, of course, again. Certainly, quote, the pervasive nihilism of capitalist man, unquote. But these are simply effects. Western civilization is dying because it's tied into an economic system that was decadent a hundred years ago. This system was certainly the calculated creation of a specific minority class. The rise of the manufacturing class was not spontaneous. It was perpetrated beyond the stage of decadence in spite of fits of outrageous disorder. Its seemingly remarkable ability to return from crisis is not proof of natural durability. Rather, it's proof of a destructive will to power at any cost. Frankenstein's need for a servant was an expression of his diseased ego. So he created a huge, pathologically strong, demented, ugly creature. He censored the beast's activity by making him underintelligent. He erected institutions flexible enough to keep the giant working, but rigid enough to forestall any growth of his mental faculties. A brain was grudgingly attached to the beast to provide a way for it to act. The beast worked and fought the enemies of his creator. The beast was content to watch the creator flourish. He lived through his creator, and when he finally saw himself as he was, he went mad. The corporation, the foundation, the association, the mass media, the state control unions, the universities and primary schools are all designed to move people into very specifically pre-ordered and monitored actions. You hear that? The actual monitoring is done by a broader segment of the stratified slave state, but the pre-ordering is done by the one-tenth of one percent, the ruling class and governing elite of the corporate arrangement. The careful observer can see immediately how the guiding instructions are held together by red tape and rubber bands so that they can be very flexible when necessary. Hmm. The corporation's flea market and the mass media are relatively new techniques of control, as are the institutional foundations and most of the associations. The foundations, whether family or corporate, are tax-exempt. Financial mechanisms, ostensibly established for altruistic influences in the field of art and culture generally. Mm-hmm. They subsidize scientific research, higher education, educational TV, etc. The Rockefellers alone control 13 such foundations, which they all control the oil holdings of 90 to 100 nations in the third world countries, mainly holding various estimated in value from 10 to 14 billion dollars. Similar foundations are controlled by the Fords. We'll get back to that. 
Kellogg's and Carnegie's, etc., etc. When the international business interests of these family financial institutions are threatened, the quote, tax-supported international police are activated. After the CIA fails, the special forces are called upon. When necessary, the Marine Corps and the infantry intervene. Comrade George. Lord Jesus, let's go back to that. Because this was a whole-ass word. Great, uh, I just want to add, great analogy to Frankenstein's monster. That was a really good analogy that, you know, definitely I wouldn't have thought of or even heard of. I've never heard it being phrased that way, but it's so true. Well, why, why would you say it's true? Because that's that's basically what the United States has propagated. They haven't necessarily, quote-unquote, created in that sense. But they've created through propaganda. They've created through mass media. They've created through uh, schools. They've created through literally everything. They have created a person, something, who does have a brain. But they're not allowed to do anything outside of work and fight for the USA. Mm-hmm. And so once that man, once somebody does finally, and, and I saw this on Twitter, but they were saying that people who are anarchists or people who have read are so annoying. And it's just like, yeah, because once you finally look at everything and you're finally seeing it as is, yeah, it it turns you mad. You're angry because it's like, I've been propagandized. I've been told this shit since the moment we were born. And then for us to say, I no longer want to do this, and then to have people push back against that, it's like, yeah, it pisses you off even more. And one of the one of the main things that can piss you off is when you think about all the people that, even in your life, or that you don't even know that have suffered and died. Correct, the pain and suffering. Um, whether it's from lack of food or not being able to go to the doctor, not yep. being able to rest, not being able to have enough money to take care of their children. Yep. And none of this is necessary. Everything is made up. Nobody has to die because they can't afford a health care. When you came on this earth, when humans were first on this earth, weren't no damn health care system. Nope. All this stuff is fake and it can be stopped. There's nothing. That's really what the propagandizing has been. That people literally think if they believe in God, like God ordained the way that the world works right now. And and to, to do anything against it is almost like going against gravity. Like Frankenstein, which yeah. is why that's so, I was like, wow, that's a good analogy. Because Frankenstein, a monster, really thought that's all there was. He was fighting the battles for Frankenstein. Like, it was just like, yeah. It, yeah. it really puts it into perspective. And, uh, yeah, I just... All this stuff is just dude was preaching. I mean, it it it's the truth. Every, all this shit, the universities, the unions, dumbass media, these nonprofits, even the now. prisons, all these things are funded by the government in order to keep and us in line. And especially, we've already talked about the the schools, the the poor children in the schools. So much indoctrination goes on in them damn schools, and they still go on even after you're an adult. Yep. Still to this day, people saying you should want to work. You don't. Why, why are you taking off? You shouldn't want to take no sick days. You need to work. Be a hard worker. Be a, be a, be a good person by working, by doing overtime, by giving your boss more money, by slaving away, not complaining. That's how you're a good all American person. By pretty much being a cook. <laughs> 
Anyways, but yes, I, I want to go on to something because uh, this was very interesting and it actually had to do with something that uh, we found out um, or we had been finding out. The uh, Ford's part? Yeah, and we're going to go back to this part where it talks about these rich families mm. and these corporations. How they subsidize scientific research, higher education, and educational TVs. They fund these things. Yeah. Okay. For a reason. Because why would why would capitalists be in, interested in investing on educational television? Why would they be interested in investing in these colleges? Because they know that those are amazingly very strong and powerful institutions of brainwashing. Correct. If done incorrectly. And apparently it's still working. If they still got their names on these buildings and they're still donating millions every damn year. I mean, when was this written? This was written in like the 70s, right? So like, yeah. We talked about this last time. This has been decades in the making. Can you imagine? Like, if this was 50 years ago, that means your grandparents did it. That means that possibly if you have young grandparents, their grandparents did it. Your parents did it. You are doing it. Like, this is decades in the making that they are still currently doing. That's right. Indeed, you are right. Um... Let's get to these Fords. The Ford Foundation. Um, back a couple months ago, and even today I was looking, um, I just decided to go on a rabbit hole uh, on some of these nonprofits in the city. And where are all these folks getting this money from? You know what I'm saying? They're getting millions of dollars. And something that kept coming up was the Ford Foundation. Every single time. People getting hundreds of thousands of dollars funding salaries from the damn Ford Foundation. And I was like, this can't be Henry Ford. The racists, they're giving money to Memphis? Why? And then I still have to do a little bit more research on that. But apparently there is something about these nonprofits that a fucking truck a car automobile company that has exploited black people for years, destroyed Detroit and pretty much all of all of America and, and just uh, everybody feels that these are great organizations. These are great causes. Do you think that these causes are doing anything to shake up the social order? Not if it's to begin hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars. Do you think that these organizations are fighting for our liberation? I was told they are. I was told that these organizations are what's going to help us with the reforming and all that other stuff that they want to do. So, hey, who am I? Who am I to go against the word of a corporate, a corporation, which George Jackson was saying back then, are literally using their money to control? But, But who am I? Who, who, who am I? Who are we? And what do we have to say against people who are obviously doing the work in the community? Um, so that's, that's all I can say. But I do. I do. <laughs> I am glad he brought this up because it, it, we just I just can't stop this episode without talking about this shit. As you know, there's something going on in this city of ours. OK, Tyree Nichols was brutally murdered right by the damn mpd 
And it's it sent shockwaves, quote unquote, around America, around the world. Everybody, police force is denouncing it. The own our own sheriff, the own police chief is denouncing it, saying it was an abomination. Pretty much saying they wanted to throw up. It was so bad. Everybody, all eyes on Memphis. And what what do we see now? We see in the city that we have learned not a goddamn thing. We've learned nothing from George Floyd. We've learned nothing from Brandon Weber. We've learned nothing from all these other cases of murders in the city. Because you have the same people funded by the Ford Foundation, funded by real estate companies, funded by literal landlords, funded by corporations, FedEx and this and that. The government. That and, and, and funded by politicians. Yeah. Getting paid by politicians, political strategists that are in the front. Controlling not only the narrative, controlling the people, telling them what to say, what to do, where to go, literally working with the police. And then after the demands, quote unquote, are met, we'll literally go back, sit down and you won't hear them from them again until somebody else dies or it's a campaign coming on. And stuff like that is what really starts making me mad like okay america is bad we know that but you and people in general capitalizing and exploiting just like black lives matter did the deaths of people yeah not spending time on what does the family want they're still they got a go fund me they're trying to the raise does, money yeah. for the damn funeral and you have people rushing always in front of the camera always getting the picture Always doing an interview just to what? Be seen. Because when this is over, they will not be in the community doing nothing that's going to positively change people's lives permanently. They may do a little bash. They may give a turkey. But ultimately, they are not about the liberation of these people because they don't get paid to liberate. They get paid to contain. They get paid to, to pacify. Peace police. To be police. to be peace police, yeah. and to just and to just put a bandaid over stuff so that people can continue to work and, and so, calm down, so that so we won't calm. get no damn rights. That's right. Mm-hmm. And and these are the same people who were like, oh oh oh, because of course you know there was there was this talk about how Memphis was gonna be a riot, whatever. I knew that probably wasn't gonna happen because I, I just know the political landscape of Memphis at this point, and it's, right. it's but anyways. They made it a a issue and a topic to make sure they say we gonna prove these people wrong. We're not gonna be rioting. We're gonna prove these people wrong. It's gonna be peaceful. We're not violent. It's the police that's violent. <laughs> Yet what do they do? Their whole thing is was about it's about optics. It's not about the people. It's not Correct. about red. It's not about what do the people need. We people people may need a ride. 
People need to go into these stores. We, we've had some of the worst economic times in Memphis in a very long time. They need to be able to go in these stores. They need to be able to get these eggs that's $9. $9. They need to be yeah. able to get these clothes, all that other stuff. Baby food. But you literally children. have everybody in the chokehold saying, this is what we're going to do. And if somebody was to break into a window, if somebody was to loot, y'all be quick to distance yourself and yeah. say, oh, that's, that's not us. Because we're they're paying police. Like, these people are paid to keep things quiet and while we are out here and people are looking at them like maybe the news is looking at them like oh they're having a protest no this isn't real this is all staged to make people feel more comfortable about going back to work that's all it is it's it's staged to make people feel more comfortable about the fact that someone was murdered yeah and all they have to do is say the Scorpion unit has been disbanded. That, that was, was the it. unit that the, the cops were in. And they're already saying, it's a win, a party, win, it's a win, it's Where a win. Where do you think the police are going? They're going to go back to something else. So, But that just showed you, and we didn't, you know, ain't got to be no whole thing. You can look into it. I would advise, you know, just knowing what we know, just read. Read about what's going on. Read about who's on the ground. Read about the organizations that's over there in the protest. And be very, very any, you need to be very vigilant about anybody that you see on the ground who is so-called activists and who is showing their face willingly to the news and to the police. Because I'm telling you right now, anybody who's doing anything serious is not going to be out here willingly dropping their full name and their full address and their full whatever. No one is going to be doing that because they know that if you're serious about something, the state will fucking kill you. But that's that's if you're trying to change something. If that's if you exactly what that's, I'm saying. That's if you trying. That's to, why you need to be vigilant. That's if you actually trying to liberate. Because these people aren't. But and, and that's what it is. Because it's about a political career and eventually yep. getting up to that. And and you will be shamed. We have been shamed because people ain't seen our face. That's the whole point. We, don't nobody need to know that we doing nothing. The people know that we doing something. The people know what we have Not been able to important. to help them with. What we've been able to teach. What we've been able to do all that. It don't matter if I was on the news. It don't matter if you saw me at that little uh, walkathon. That stuff does not matter because it's not about being seen. It's mm-hmm. about the people. Why are y'all over here dictating what people do, what people think, where, where people go? I don't know. But we just had to get that out because <laughs> I w- we weren't here last week and that's when a lot of this stuff happened and it just needed to get out. But, yes. I, I would encourage everybody, if I could throw this book at people's faces, I would throw this book, Blood in My Eye, at everybody. I would roll down the window and just fling it out. This and then uh, Coming of Age in Mississippi. Yes, that's Coming of Age really in fucking one. Mississippi because like we said, we had an episode about why the civil rights movement failed. Yeah. They, she literally said people got tired of the protests. The protests weren't working no more in the 60s. People would turn the channel off and say, oh, Jim, just another protest. I don't care. Boom. And you think in 2023 something changed now that the, pro- now the protest is working? <laughs> Now the protests have I'm, all this power. I'm laughing because it it's not funny. It's a very serious issue. But I'm laughing because it's like, how can you be so, like, they not, are, you, are you naive? Or is it that you explicitly know what's going on? And because you're a state actor or because you're a politician or a quote-unquote activist who is an actual politician, that you would rather ignore that and continue yeah. doing things for your political yeah. career? Yeah. And then that only confirms to me that people who are like that are evil. 
Because how can you willingly be out here preaching uh, liberation while also working for the state? Volunteering for the state because liberation like, means just, capital. I want to be like a capitalist. That's that's all that oh, that's just, all that means. And yeah, about it being naive. I don't know. Some of these people may be naive, but some of these people know exactly what they're doing. Like I said, they're getting corporate money. They're getting politician money. They're getting Bloomberg money. This isn't no. These ain't no uh, wet behind the ear type people. But yes, that's it, guys. We ain't going to stay for you long. But, yeah, we just wanted to talk about that because, you know, that is in our little uh, nick of the woods. Um, let us know what you thought about this uh, recent reading of Blame My Eye Part 11. Uh, hit us up on our social medias at Building Our PWR. Uh, if you'd like to donate to what we're doing, you can do so. Link is in the description. If you'd like to join us when we finally get some time and uh, my job ain't acting crazy no more. Uh, you can do so. Links in the description. We can set something up. Get everybody together, and uh, you know, see what we can do. You know, starting this spring. Uh, yeah. So this has been Gabby and Katie. And this has been building our. Path.